understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. I don't know about tomorrow, I just live from day to day. to gray. I don't worry or the future, for I know what Jesus said. And today I'll walk beside him, for he knows what is ahead. Many things about tomorrow. I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. I don't know about tomorrow, it may bring me poverty. But the one who feeds the sparrow is the one who stands by me. And the path that is my portion may be through the flame or flood. But his presence goes before me. And I'm his blood. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Many things about tomorrow I don't see. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Well, that's a good song, isn't it? I'm glad we know who holds tomorrow, amen? Amen. He does. We might not know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we certainly know He does. And we're certainly grateful for it. Turn to the book of Acts, if you would. Acts chapter 13. Again, we're in our missions emphasis a couple of weeks here. And again, tonight we kind of end that. We started two weeks ago Wednesday. And then Sunday, of course, we had uh, the males with us. And then we had the message on Wednesday night, kind of continuing with the missions theme. And then this past Sunday, we had Brother Mann with us and his wife and family. And we enjoyed that. And then, of course, tonight we'll finish this up here. Um, I'm not seeing my clicker. Is my clicker up here anywhere? I thought it's usually up here. What's that? Oh, underneath the stage. Underneath my chair. Let's try this thing here. This is... I don't see it. It's underneath the chair? I don't have anything... Oh, underneath the stage. 
Look at that. Wow. What is this? Hide the clicker from the preacher. <clears throat> what is this about? You know what I mean? Come on now. That's kind of... Appreciate the help back there, brother. All right, biblical missions we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, and we won't have much of this, but just as a, a sense of review here, we're talking about biblical missions. And uh, let's take our Bible right now while we have that up and just look at Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1 through 3. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Now again, we've talked quite a bit about uh, missions over the last few weeks, as I mentioned. And of course, in this particular passage, we see the Apostle Paul. And uh, what a wonderful man of God he was. And what a tremendous work that God used him to perform and to accomplish in Christianity. And often many have said that Paul, the Apostle Paul is probably uh, the greatest Christian that's ever lived. Uh, obviously, outside of Christ himself in that sense. But, you know, just what God used him to do. Amazing, amazing. Thirteen books of the Bible, potentially, possibly, fourteen books of the Bible, depending on if you include Hebrews. But, man, just a man of God, really, just used in a mighty way. And so, as we begin to look at missions, we begin to cover some areas of this missions we talked about. First of all, the philosophy of missions. And the philosophy of missions, we noted that there's, there's, there's an aspect of the birthing of a church, building, then the equipping, and the exiting. We said that a missionary goes, at least biblically, in, in the book of Acts, we see the Apostle Paul uh, going in, birthing a church, uh, you know, planting it right here's where it's going to be. And he begins to win souls by building it up and strengthening it. He equips it by teaching and training the people that are there. And then ultimately he exits and goes about to another, goes to another location where there, of course, he begins the process again, building, uh, birthing, building, equipping, and exiting again. And so we saw that uh, mentality, that philosophy in the Word of God. And we noted that, sure, there's, there's some other uh, nuances. There may be some other uh, ministry-type uh, things surrounding that. And we're not going to say that the only way to do it is you have to simply exit because we said that in some cases some have expanded, and that has been proven to be beneficial in some cases as well. But in general, when we look at the New Testament, the philosophy or the pattern that we see is what we noted right here with the Apostle Paul. That's generally the pattern. The others ought to be exceptions, not so much the, the, the norm. So philosophy of missions. Then we talked about the problems of missions. Some things that uh, were some areas of missions that we have concern about, areas that our missionaries are going to be uh, dealing with and working on, and some challenges that they're going to be facing along the way. We said changing values have affected our missions. And again, when we talked about that, we were saying basically or stating primarily that we're just saying that um, we've kind of changed what, what uh, uh, the definition of um, success is. You know, it used to be success was I'm a hard worker. Success was, you know, I just, I work hard. You know, if you're a hard worker and you have character, then that was success in life. It wasn't about uh, how comfortable I am. It wasn't about how much I possess. It wasn't about what I have. And so we're saying a lot of young people are hesitating to go into the mission field because they're concerned about what they may miss out on in life. It's just like even the ministry. People say, well, man, if I go in the ministry, I may be poor. I may not have much. Uh, well, so therefore, you know, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to have a lot of things. I want to have that, that beach house or whatever. Again, comfort. 
Convenience has seemed to take over the press. That, that defines what success is in America today. And so if you're comfortable and you're, uh, you have a lot in the bank and you've got a lot of nice things, then you're successful. Well, unfortunately, as we noted, the Apostle Paul wasn't very successful then when he was sitting in the Philippian jail. And he wasn't too successful when he's floating around the water out there in perils of the sea. And uh, he wasn't too successful when he was out there list or being stoned. And, and we just were noting that if that's what we gauge success on is how comfortable you are, uh, how convenient life is, then we got some issues. So, and we said that that's one of the concerns is changing values, but also cultural volatility. And we said, you know, the changing culture. You go overseas, and next thing you know, the language is different, the, the, the culture is different. You have all of these areas and things that you have to deal with. We talked about culture shock. We talked about culture, um, some other aspects of the culture and how it affects, you know, you immediately and so forth. And so we said that can become a real problem and a detour and a challenge for missionaries and missions as we go forward. And then also cost variables. We talked about the difference, uh, the changing uh, uh, well, I guess the strength of the U.S. dollar and how it affects the currency rates and how a missionary, just like we said, Brother Mayo said even, when he was here Sunday, two weeks, uh, a week and a half ago, remember I said he went over there for two, with $2,000 at the time, and when he got there, the, the basically the, the currency was cut in half, and so basically all he had was 800 a month. That's all his money was worth is 800 a month. Well, that's a problem for missions. When they get over there, they're not sure what's going to happen to the U.S. dollar. And as we noted, it can create some real issues. And just like the Brother Mann said just this last week, um, he said, what do you say? A loaf of bread is what? Six dollars? And a gallon of gas is eight dollars? Well, man, that, I mean, you talk about some uh, cost variables. <laughs> that's a big difference from the states. And so those things are factors, and they become detours, and they become difficulties for our missions and missionaries. And then a clouded vision, we didn't get to that this past week, but you have to make sure that we stay on, on point and that we're making sure that we're heading down the right direction, accomplishing what God intended us to, and that's obviously evangelizing and propagating the gospel. And then finally today, we're going to talk about the potential of missions, the potential of missions. <clears throat> I have here, young millionaire renounces world to be missionary. We're talking about William Borden, and uh, his, his, in his uh, uh, personal journal, uh, along the way in life, he, he at first put no reserve, then he put no retreat, and then no regrets. He died as a very, very young man. Never did end up getting to the field, by the way. Never got to the field. But when they looked at his uh, uh, personal journal, he said, no reserve, no retreat, no regrets. And that's what it's about, you know what I mean? Giving it all for the Lord Jesus Christ. So today we want to talk about what are the poten- what's the potential of missions. One, evangelize the world. Two, mobilize the church. And three, magnify the Lord. And those are the three areas we're going to look at tonight, very briefly, if you will. All right, let's have a word of prayer. And that's enough, gentlemen. We can shut that down. Thank you very much. Father, again, tonight we come to you asking you, Lord, just to meet with us in a very real way. Lord, may your Holy Spirit speak. And, Father, may we be truly impacted by your Holy Spirit and by the Word of God tonight. Again, Lord, we just pray that our hearts would be open to you. Now, again, Lord, we don't have anything really new. We don't have anything revolutionary to share Lord, the truth is, is that probably everybody in the room has heard something to this effect of what we're going to deal with tonight, or at least a, some sense of it. But Lord, may it just be more real to us tonight. May we just be very encouraged by it and motivated by it, inspired by it, and changed by it. Well, thank you now. Lord, again, fill me with your spirit. Let me be your mouthpiece, and may you be with your people. Encourage us in Christ, and we'll give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, <clears throat> when we start talking about the potential admissions. We want to begin by the potential of evangelizing the world. So evangelize the world. That's the potential of missions. 
Again, we say, well, we're not doing that great a job of it. There's still billions of people that are unreached. Uh, There are people that are unreached, but the potential for missions is evangelization of the world, world evangelization, reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the church was given a directive, and and we understand that. In the book of Acts, we've already uh, been in the book of Acts, but in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you may remember reading this or hearing this. It says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That's what the directive was. The Lord Jesus Christ is preparing to return after spending 40 days here on earth following his resurrection. And now here he is now giving his final commands to his disciples. And he's saying to them, they represent the church. You can't separate the disciples from the church. You know, something. Well, he gave those disciples that, that commission. He gave them that directive. No, he gave the church that directive. Have you ever looked in the book of Revelation and looked at this, the, the, this, uh, the New Jerusalem? You know, the city that we are, New Jerusalem. Do you see our foundation? What's the foundation? The apostles. Well, wait a second. How can you separate then what was given to the apostles from the actual church or from the, the New Jerusalem? You can't do that. The church and the apostles are, are tied together. So what we have here is that when that was given back there, that directive was given to them. It was given to us. It was given to every church, every church throughout every age of this uh, history that we live in. So anyway, the church was given a directive in Mark sixteen fifteen, And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to what? What? Every creature, right. And that includes you then. A creature. You don't know whether to laugh or whether to cry. But anyway, uh, every creature, okay. We're all creatures created in the, uh, you know, by the Lord, okay. So in that sense, to every creature. Obviously, I don't think that he says we have to give the gospel to, to squirrels. Personally, I'm not real hip on squirrels right now. I'm really not, I'm not really, really happy with squirrels. Why? Why am I not happy with squirrels? I'm glad you asked. The other day, uh, I was getting ready to uh, go. When, be, right before I went on vacation, I, I decided, uh, you know, I was, going, I was going to the beach, right? I'm on my boogie board, right? As you can tell, I boogie. And so, anyway, I went on ahead to go into the, to the, to the, the barn or the shed to get that boogie board. And when I went to reach for that boogie board and started to pull it out, all of a sudden, I'm not joking. This is no lie. I'm talking about two squirrels, like, flying attack mode. I mean, they're like, ah! And I mean, they're... they're like that, and I've been flying right, right past me. I'm like, whoa. I mean, I was dodging flying squirrels. They didn't have wings, but let me tell you something. They had claws, and they looked like they were that long each. And I mean, I was scared to death. I was like going through the, I'm like, you know, they're hidden, hiding behind things and stuff, and I'm going in there like. <laughs> I, I don't like, squirrels right now just don't do anything for me. And like, I dream about them right now, and it's called a nightmare. So nonetheless, we see here in Mark chapter 16, 15, that we're to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, some might even be able to quote it. We read, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the, of, of the earth, of world. Amen. Okay, so we see that there. That was the directive that was given to the church. Now listen, the Lord, anytime He commands us to do anything, He empowers us and enables us to do it. He didn't leave the disciples, nor did He leave the church here without the ability to accomplish what He gave us to do. So He sends us the Holy Spirit of God to come to earth, and ultimately He indwells us and lives in us, empowering us, enabling us to accomplish exactly what God gave us to do. 
Now, see, so the church was given a directive, but this directive was carried out. And, and some, so, listen, I've read things that have said, oh, man, we've been trying to, you know, we, we haven't reached the world. We have never gotten to the whole the world. And we're just, you know, there's been 20 initiatives to reach the world over the last 2,000 years. And I'm like, what? How do they know that stuff? 20 initiatives to reach the world. We've been trying to reach the world since we came into existence 20 years ago. I don't think we're doing a good enough job of it, but we certainly have the desire to. We've got an initiative to. Whether or not we're being effective as we ought to be, that's another issue. God will judge us on that. But the fact is, is that the directive was to carry out this, this thing. We, we were to carry it out. It was carried out. They carried it out. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 16, And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, that these have turned the world... Uh, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Obviously, there were some people that were there in the city that day proclaiming the truth that had turned the world upside down, had changed the thinking of, 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 the, of the world, the known world at the time. Someone says, well, were there other people around that didn't hear the gospel? I don't know. But what I do know is that the known world at that time had been given or had been reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether or not they had trusted him, whether they had received him or not, that isn't the issue at all. Every man has a will. Every woman has a will to make their own decision. But the gospel had been taken, carried, brought to every area of the, the known world at the time. Romans chapter 1 verse 8 says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. The, of course, the apostle Paul is speaking, and through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he goes, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. What? You mean to tell me that the faith of the Romans, that church in Rome was spoken of throughout the whole world? Well, it wasn't really the whole world. Oh, that's right. God just told us that. He didn't really mean it. Oh, you mean like, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? Well, he said it, but he didn't really mean it. No, it's the same thing, right? I mean, if he, can mean, if he means that, then he means this. So what he's saying is, is, guess what, church at Rome? I thank God for you every time I think about you because of your testimony. People hear about your faith throughout the entire world. So the known world at the time had been reached with the gospel. It didn't mean that they had changed everybody or had reached everybody in the sense of salvation. They're all part of the family of God. But the gospel had been carried, taken to, brought to. Romans ten eighteen. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words into the ends of the world. Again, we're dealing with the fact that you've got to send preachers out, right? You've got to send people out for them to hear the gospel. But the gospel had been shared and it had been given. So, see, the church was given a directive, and the directive was carried out. So what's the potential, then, of this missions and the mission that we have? Well, it's obviously to evangelize the world. We can do it then. If it's, it was directed then, it was accomplished then, we too can take the gospel to the entire world. Now, the world is much larger now than it was then. I mean, as, as far as numerically. I mean, there's been some people that said there's as few as 100 million people, some 300 million, all kind of different numbers. But the fact was, in comparison to today, it is nothing. You take the turn of the century, the 19th century, they didn't have half of the people we have, even now. I'm not talking about 2000, I'm talking about 1900s. It's an amazing thing how fast the population has grown over the last 115, 20 years. Amazing. But the fact is today is that 
one of the potentials of, the, of, of biblical missions is to evangelization of the world. So that directive is within our reach today. Aren't we glad it is? See, in Mark chapter 10, verse 27, he says, the Lord says, Jesus looking upon them saith, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. You know, we look at things sometimes we say, yeah, well, he, look at that, you're taking it out of context. Yeah, well, Jesus has said with God all things are possible. I think we could probably apply that to any area of life. I mean, well, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me, right? I, I can do that. The Bible says I can. We don't really believe it, but, but we could. I mean, if it's true, it's true. If it's not, it's not. But, but we make excuses, don't we? Well, there's no way in the world you really expect us, this little church over here in, in the city of Lakemore, ultimately moving over there to Akron. I mean, you think we're supposed to reach the world with the gospel? I think he's talking about the whole church in general, everybody. Yeah, but wait a second. He gave that directive to those disciples. There was only 12 at the time. Eleven, really, I think. And then they had to add one later. But here's the bottom line: there's more of us than there were of them. Listen, the directive hasn't changed, and the potential is still available. Evangelization of the world is possible. We can accomplish this goal, but we have to focus, and it has to become a priority in our life, not just in the ministry. John chapter 14, verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. The Lord even says to his disciples, By the way, guys, I just want you to understand something. You see all these great works I've done? You see all these miracles that have been accomplished and, and, and the feats of uh, 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 supernatural feats that have been, and ta- that have been uh, accomplished? Guess what? You can, you'll do even more. Because I send, I'm going back to be the Father. Guess who I'm sending? The Holy Spirit. And and you know what? Not only will you have one of you filled with the Holy Spirit of God, not only will one of you be totally and completely yielded and have the empowering of the Holy Ghost, but there'll be a number of you now with that same ability, same power. The very power that enabled me to be resurrected. The power that I had in order to rise from the dead. That's the power that we have in us through the person of the Holy Ghost. That's why wherever two or more are gathered, man, I mean, great things can happen. The Lord's in the midst. Why? He's there with us. We have a, a pattern, potential, power in the presence of Christ. All of those things are what we have. We have that pattern. We saw it already. We discussed it early on in the first message. And we have the potential, the power in the presence of Christ. The only question is this. Will we go forth with the needed energy and effort that it requires to ultimately accomplish the directive? We've got to quit making excuses, but rather expect success. It's the reality of it. You're living in a fantasy world, preacher. It can't happen. The moment I believe it can't happen is the moment I stop believing God. Because He's the one who said it can happen. Someone says, yeah, but you've got to be realistic. You mean you've got to be carnal. You've got to be fleshly. You, gotta be in the, you can't be spiritual then, right? You're saying spiritual and uh, practical don't go together. That's what you're telling me then. That's impossible. God said that it is possible. God says the potential of missions is to reach the world with the gospel. When we take the gospel out, it does not return void. It accomplishes what he sent it out to do. Are there obstacles? Are there uh, uh, difficulties? Without a doubt. So first of all, 
What's the potential of missions? Evangelize the world. Number two, mobilize the church. Mobilize the church. See, the directive to evangelize the world with the gospel places every believer on high alert, or it should. It should place us on high alert. The church has a higher calling. It has a greater purpose. It has a a more important reason for existing than to provide entertainment, extracurricular activities, social interaction, and um, fellowship for its members. There's more to this than that. There is more to it. Now, I know that's not necessarily the trend in churches today, but let me tell you something. God intended that a church church exists for more than that. There's nothing wrong with some of those things when they fit with the purpose, but without it, it is, there is no purpose for existing. The central theme of the New Testament church is to evangelize the world. That's the reality of the church. Someone says, it's to glorify God. Well, show me how you can glorify God without obeying Him. Can you glorify God without obeying the Lord? People that, well, we're trying all the time in our lives. We're constantly trying. I mean, I think about those Israelites over there in chapter 6 of the book of uh, Judges when the Midianites and, and the Amorites come into, the, into their towns and villages and take over. And God says to them, you know why this is happening? I told you that I would give you the land. I told you I'd prosper you. I told you that I'd bless you. But you know what you did instead? You rejected me. Instead, you chose to follow your fears. You chose to follow your feelings instead of faith. And as a result of that, you've been rebellious and disobedient. And guess what? Now you're paying the price. Now that's exactly what happened. And I'm sure that there were those amongst those people that said, but we still offer sacrifice to God. We still serve the living God. We still do our best to praise God. But let me tell you something. You don't decide, nor do you determine how you best serve or praise or glorify God. You do it on His terms. You cannot praise God and you can't glorify God. You can't exalt God. You can't magnify God. You can't elevate God if you're not obedient. And that's exactly what the church has tried to do. We sing our wonderful songs. We get our praise teams up here. We get our banjos and our guitars and our pianos and everything else. And we try to make a bunch of noise to prove we're praising God. All along, we're disregarding the most important element of the ministry. And it is the directive to reach the world with the gospel. It's not enough to go and say, God, I'm going to praise you. You have to obey God. It's better to obey than sacrifice, he tells tells Saul. It's better to obey than sacrifice. We're good at sacrificing what, what we think is sacrifice. But let me tell you, God's looking for just simple obedience. And the church, the church needs to understand its place, its purpose. And when we understand our purpose, we will go forth with great zeal. I'm going to tell you something. I think God created mankind to succeed. He created mankind with imagination. He created mankind with a desire in his heart to accomplish something, to, 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 to get somewhere in life. He does, no man, no woman is, is content to go nowhere, accomplish nothing, and be a zero. You say, how do you know that? Because I see every time man has been left on his own, what does he do? He tries to build without God. 
He always wants to create without God. He wants to accomplish without God because it's within man to do something, to accomplish something. We see that over in the book of Genesis when the Tower of Babel goes up. But listen, you can't exclude God. Let's, let's succeed in the work of God. He gives us this directive. Let's make it our goal now, like it's his goal, to reach the world. And if I'll make that my priority, I'll never get off course. I'll always be able to honor God, and I'll always be able to receive the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ. When churches lose sight of the importance and urgency of the Great Commission, they lose sight of their purpose for existing. And the subtle shift, and we've noticed this, there's been a subtle shift from reaching the world for Christ to preaching about the need to do it. There's been a subtle shift through the years. In our Baptist churches even, I've seen it through the years. Oh yeah, we preach about reaching the world. We, We talk about winning the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. We talk about carrying the gospel to a lost and dying world. Talk about Baptist churches. We don't even have soul winning programs in our churches anymore. We don't even have anybody going out and knocking doors. And if they are knocking doors, they're just saying, so nice to meet you. We'd love to have you in church today. Well, whatever happened to the gospel? What happened to inviting them to come to Christ, not just come to church? Whatever happened to the gospel being shared, the Lord Jesus being elevated and magnified. I take a person with me on soul winning. I don't take a a plan, a program. And says, oh, yes, you do. Well, let me tell you something. It didn't hurt at all. didn't hurt at all last Saturday morning when we shared the plan. But if it was just the plan that that young lady got, she missed out on what she needed most. And that was a person. But thank God last night, she still remembered that decision. Thank God last night... She still remembered the Lord Jesus. And thank God last night she agreed, I need to be baptized then if that's what the Bible says. And her fiancé said, me too. Listen, it still works. You say, well, we'll see if they show up or not. So be it. They made one more decision that probably the one you didn't talk to made. Well, let me tell you something. It's not enough to talk about it. We got to do something about it. The world's dying going to hell. We can preach about it all day long. But if we don't do something... We're wasting our time. We're wasting God's. Listen, it's all the same. I mean, all of us, we're in the same boat here. We're just Christians. And God says there's a directive for the church. And you know what? We're part of the church. Let's not lose sight of what this is about here. I love that there's this group here gathered tonight. But if you've just come here and said, well, I'm just getting my duty done. And, uh, and I don't believe that's why you're here. You wouldn't be here tonight on Wednesday night. But I'm saying if that was the reason you're here, man, you're missing out on it. You're missing what God has for you. How boring of a life is it just to show up because you feel it's duty? That's a bummer. That's Greek for a mess. But you know, the sad truth is that most Baptist churches 50 years ago could be found knocking doors, running buses, baptizing converts, sending out missionaries. But 30 years ago, Many of them began to abandon these outreaches due to the inconveniences they caused, due to the discomfort that it, 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 it caused, due to the finances. Gas is going up. We can't afford to run these buses. That's, that's exactly why most bus ministers who went out in the 70s and 80s started to dwindle. By the 80s, they were gone. You want to know why? Because of gas. Can you imagine 
letting money make all of our decisions for us? Can you imagine that? I've often said, I'll never let money make my decisions for me. Why would I do that when God owns the cattle on a thousand hills? Man, the church can't be fearful of money all the time where it can't do anything. We're strapped constantly. And if you look at our checkbook, you look at what we operate on and stuff, you'd be scared to death. You probably wouldn't sleep at night. And I'm not joking. You look at our budget and you see what's in the bottom line, what we have to spend that's considered available income for spending. I'm telling you, a lot of you would probably go, oh, I can't breathe, there's so much pressure on me. But you know what I found? I learned long ago. I'm not responsible. God is. I learned a long time ago. I say, but what if something happens? Well, if it happens, it happens. But what, what, what good does it do me to not sleep at night? Well, what's good is that going to do me? But I know one thing. If indeed we want to accomplish what God wants us to, then we're going to have to mobilize. And you know what? When we figure out what our purpose is, when churches get that figured out, when they really get a grasp on what their goals are, what God's goals are for them, and the real purpose for their existence is, I find it motivates people. It's when we start losing sight of the goal. When we start losing sight of the purpose for our existence. When we fail to realize that there's a people that are far in much more greater need than we are. When we lose sight of that, when all of a sudden, you know, our comfort, our ease, our life, our world is, is the primary aspect of our life. It all circles around me and mine and mine. I said mine twice. I know I did. Did I mean to? Probably not. But I said that so that you think I did. But you want to know something? Once we get it figured out that God's goal for us is to reach the world, that, we're, that the potential is to evangelize the world, and that's what God has for us as a ministry, a church. Man, I'll tell you what, I think people say, you know what, I want to go somewhere. I want to be part of that. That's something. I, I want to see us get somewhere. I want to see God do something. I want to watch God make a difference in our culture, our country, our world. Boy, I like that. Finally, last, magnify the Lord. The potential of missions is evangelizing the world. It can be done. And when we understand that that's our mission as a church, it mobilizes the church. It'll mobilize us. Everything in our ministry points toward that. Every service, every song, every program, class, activity, fellowship, workshop, conference, or retreat centers around that prescribed purpose. That's how it ought to work. And then we magnify the Lord. That's the other potential. Because whenever you are accomplishing and fulfilling and seeking to arrive at that goal of reaching and evangelizing the world, the church is mobilized, then the Lord Jesus Christ is magnified. He's magnified. Joshua, he's reminding the people of how God delivered them from bondage and from the Egyptians. And then he shares the real motivation of their deliverance. Look, if you will, in Joshua chapter 4. We'll just take a, a couple minutes. We're almost done here. Joshua 4. I'm just going to read this, and I'm going to run to one more passage, and then we're going to close this down. Joshua 4, verse 23. Here he is now. He's reminding the people of how God delivered them, delivered them from bondage, delivered them from the Egyptians, and then he shares the real motivation for their deliverance. Obviously, his people cried out to him. He heard that. We understand that. But notice what he says in Joshua 4, 23 and 24. For the Lord your God... Remember, Moses is dead now. He's directing, guiding the people into the promised land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over, 
as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea. Notice that. He, he says, now, it's happened here in Jordan, just like it did the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. So now he's pointing back to those days. Here, Remember, he just dried up this Jordan. Now, re, let's go back now. Remember how he did that supernatural work with the Red Sea, okay? Now, he's done those things. Why did he do all that? That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord. That it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. Now again, that all the people of the earth might know. There it is. Why did he deliver us, Daddy? Why did he give us supernatural powers to overcome our enemies? Why did God intervene on our behalf? Why did he show himself real? Well, son, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord. There it is. David, he's facing a giant. You know the giant's name, Goliath, right? And fortunately, his faith in God, the God of Israel, was greater than his fear. And out of his mouth comes the real objective of this soon-to-be king and great man of God. Now, here's his real objective. Someone says, oh, he just wanted to have the daughter of Saul. Uh, oh, he just wanted to have accolades. He just wanted somebody to recognize him. He was a prideful, arrogant little snot. That's what his brother said to him. But wait, wait a second. Let's find out from David what his real heart was. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45 and 46 says, Then said David to the Philistine as he runs down there to meet him, Thou comest to me with a sword with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of all the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. If we stopped right there, we'd start to wonder, what in the world is going on with David? Who does he think he is? Wait a second. He doesn't quit there, though. And I will smite thee. Boy, David, you're even getting in deeper, hotter water than ever now. You really think you're something else. You're a real hot shot, huh? And take thy head from thee. Wow, who's this young guy think he is? He's a nobody and nothing. There's a big giant. He's a little guy. And I will give the carcasses of the host of Philip. Now, I'm not just going to get done with you and through with you, big boy. But after you, we're going to whoop your people. Can you imagine this guy? I mean, I, I can't only imagine. And he goes on to say, and the wild beasts of the earth. I'm going to give you to the fowls here and wild beasts. Of your people are done. Watch this. Why, David? What's your motivation, David? That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Amen. That all the earth may know there's a God. David wasn't saying those things, nor was he doing those things, because he wanted to make a reputation for himself. He was saying and doing those things because he wanted to make a reputation for God. And you want to know, do you want to know what the potential of missions is? You want to know what the potential of sending out uh, men and women from our church, men and women from uh, around the world to, to reach the gospel, men and women with the gospel? You want to know what the potential is? That all the earth may know. Him. They may know Him. The potential is that it will magnify the Lord. Isn't, that, isn't this the potential of missions? That all the earth may know? Isn't that it? Of course it is. I had this wonderful conclusion. But... Let us just suffice to say this. The potential of missions is that it can evangelize the world, mobilize the church, and magnify the Lord. 
Because, see, when we finally figure out what our purpose is as a church, and that it includes the directive that was given to the apostles, and now is to be assumed by us, carried on by us, that will mobilize the church. I am convinced that if we as a people will grasp this concept, it will mobilize us because God puts something in us to succeed and to accomplish for His glory. And we'll recognize that it is necessary, needful, and absolutely, without a doubt, His will and what He desires most of us. And that'll mobilize us. And when we get mobilized for God to reach souls and to win the world for Christ, that will magnify the Lord. That's the potential of missions.